But if you are one of those people who cannot uh, survive in a nine to five and you want to do more and you want more um, than just that, then that's that's what you need to acknowledge that and go after it. And I think that's what it was for me. Podcast Junkies, episode 138. Welcome back. This is the show where I speak to amazing podcasters with interesting voices. And it's just me and them and you are listening. And we're all kicking back our heels and we're talking about shows and whatever else is on their mind. In case you missed last week's episode, it was with a new podcaster. Her name is Claire Duffy and her show is called Women of Hollywood Land. It's an interesting look into the movers and shakers of that era, the 1910s, the 1920s, and she does such a fantastic job of telling their story. It's a story that more people need to hear, and I'm really happy we connected on Twitter and were able to have a follow-up conversation on the show last week, so that's episode 137. This week, I have the pleasure of speaking with Nicole Aboud. Nicole and I have been friends for probably three years, but we haven't seen each other in such a long time after having uh, spoken at a panel together here in Los Angeles. She's the host of The Gen Y Lawyer, and we engaged, I think it was on Instagram, and I realized, um, I was thinking to myself, why haven't I had her on? So we reached out and we were able to make it happen. It's a great conversation. We talk about what her parents thought when she started podcasting, what it was about practicing law that burnt her out, the nine-to-five employee mindset versus the entrepreneur mindset. That's an interesting discussion. This idea of compassionate management, we dive deep into that. We talk about how podcasting has changed the way she interacts with people in person and who she would love to have on her podcast. So those are just some of the points, and you really got to jump in to get the heart of it. This episode is brought to you by Podbean. Podbean has a podcast. It's called Podcasting Smarter, and it's hosted by my friend Jennifer And this week's episode, she gets together with her partner in crime, Vernon. The episode is known as Spill the Beans, and it's where they bring listeners up to date with the happenings of the podcast landscape. So this episode, they talk about the five-star rated Podbean app, which now includes intelligent feed and volume boost. And in case you didn't know, you can actually accept donations via the app. And listeners can comment directly from within the application. So if you are looking for a new podcast player, aka podcatcher, then definitely give the Podbean app available in the iTunes app store or via Android a try. Make sure you stay till the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. But for now, enjoy my conversation with Nicole. So Nicole Abood, after uh, probably two or and a half years, maybe of not connecting, welcome to Podcast Junkies. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a it's such a pleasure. Um, it, it and then, so I always try to tell the story. Uh, we first met through Esprit Devora, past guest Esprit Devora, yep. at, at the uh, Pod. What was it? What was that talk? Yeah, it was. Gosh, it was like a little uh, co living space, yes. right in Hollywood somewhere. Yeah. And, it was, and, and what was interesting is that the word pod in it, but it had nothing to do with podcasting. That's true. It was more like a little pod like space yeah. that you sleep in. Pod chair. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, there you go. Pod chair. Was it pod chair? Yeah. And then um, I, the, this is the craziest thing. I was on a flight somewhere and it was one of those shows where they um, sort of like um, they, they pick entrepreneurs and you got to, you got to, you know, apply and, and you get audition for them. And one of them was, what's her name? The, the girl who runs that pod share thing and oh, it, really yeah. i don't remember her name <laughs> it'll come to, cool. yeah yeah so she and i saw her and i'm on a plane and i'm watching her and she's being like she's making the final cut and they're, they're investing a little bit to, to, to for her idea but i was like okay. i know her <laughs> yeah did so, it did it go far yeah yeah did her it idea far. make it okay. yeah, yeah it went far and i think she recently got funding for like uh to expand those out so okay very nice <laughs> so for the list, so that's so, how we met yeah so for Alyssa's benefit um Esprit's a, a magical connector. <laughs> yeah, it is a special talent of hers, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so at the, at the time, you had recently started Gen Y Lawyer? Yeah, I think I was actually only a few months in. So I launched my podcast in March of 2015. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember exactly when we had that panel, but I am, I guess, two and a half years in at this point. Yeah. It, well, I think it was almost two years ago since that we, that we met. So it was probably, probably. you had probably just started. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, did I did I seem like I've been doing it for a while? 
yeah, I was all, trying to fake it at that point. Yeah, it's all in how you carry yourself. I, I guess. But um, I just fell in love with it from the get-go. So that's probably why I, was, why I was so excited to even be on that panel talking about it. Yeah. So did I, I think in the beginning, um, we probably didn't talk about it too much, but do you remember who it was that was inspiring you? Or was it that you were just getting content from podcasts, a lot of content from podcasts at the time? Um. You know, I actually didn't listen to a lot of podcasts or didn't listen for that long before I started, before I decided to start my own. Uh, I think it was one of those things where I listened, it made sense for what I wanted to do. And I kind of just did some research and jumped in about a month later. I really hate that this is the reason why, but I think Serial was one of the first um, major podcasts that I actually listened to. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of people say that and like old time podca podcasters kind of cringe when they hear that. But that was really my entry into it. And then I kind of just exploring other legal podcasts because that's the space I wanted to be in. Took a month to really think about it, um, structure it, figure it out. And then I and I launched it. So I imagine as as all lawyers do when you you know when you first get into law and you, and you and you take the exam your idea at that time is to become a actually become a, a working lawyer right <laughs> I think so right yeah <laughs> yeah so uh I, and I was I was actually at the at the time so I am no longer practicing which I'll come back and explain how that happened but I practiced for a total of about five years okay. um, graduated in 2011. Uh, you're right. I wanted to be a lawyer. Growing up, I wanted to be a lawyer. I loved everything about law school. And it wasn't until I actually started practicing that it just hit me that this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. I was not enjoying it. Uh, I was unhappy pretty pretty regularly, which is not something hmm. which is not good when you're looking at a 30, 40 year career. Yeah. So I started exploring what else um, is out there for me, but in this period of exploration, I started asking other young lawyers what they were feeling and how they felt about the law, what they were doing. Um, so I had a lot of conversations with young lawyers who were practicing in pretty cool ways and unconventional practice areas. Um, a lot of them had left the law, started a business, they were happy, successful. And I thought, you know, what? I'm having all these conversations, why not record them and share it with everyone else? Yeah. And that was kind of the, the beginning of the podcast. But was that did you have, besides obviously this is desire to, to become a lawyer, did, was there any other entrepreneurial streak in, in your past? Yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of, that. yeah, I can definitely trace back to a lot of moments in my childhood where I was just like, okay, if I had just really listened to what I really wanted in life, maybe I wouldn't have gone to law school. Uh, so I actually didn't have a lemonade stand like most kids. <laughs> Instead, I would put on uh, neighborhood carnivals. Yeah. Like it was really elaborate. Like I'd have games. I would create the games. I would make the little popcorn things, <laughs> the, the little newspaper roll-ups where the popcorn went in there. Oh, and yeah. I would charge kids. Yeah. And I would charge kids to come in and play. <laughs> so that's kind of how I made my, my money as a kid. Um, straight in, straight into live events. Seriously, I always I guess I like planning events and making money. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's kind of my background. My my dad was kind of an entrepreneur. He dabbled in a few things as well, but um I guess it's always kind of been in there in in me. And when I was practicing, I started off at a firm, but about 3 years later, I opened my own practice and running your own practice is, is kind of like running a business nowadays anyways. So I got a little feel for the business side of things when I opened my practice. Um, now, I don't know if we want to jump into how, what life is like for me now. Sure, let's jump into it. Sure. So now five years later, I actually finally, um, got enough courage, but also, um, I guess the, enough connections and just, yeah, I would say courage to leave the practice of law to really follow what I actually want to do. Um, and as cliche as it sounds to follow my passions of building a business, <laughs> right? So I'm trying to combine the, this practical uh, business that I'm building with, um, with just my vision of what I want to, what I want to do in life. So can you talk a little bit about how that, how, if any, that's changed how you've structured your show, like who you've started to interview, who you've been looking to interview or the topics that you're covering? Yeah, definitely. So I feel like my show is a reflection of what's happening in my life at the time that I'm recording. I imagine that's true for most podcasters, yeah. right? So in the beginning, my show was a lot of, had a lot of guests that were practicing. Um, and they were very much in love with being lawyers. And I think the more, um, the more I started to think about how I was going to leave the law and what else I was going to do, I started to bring on guests that had that kind of reflected that same sentiment. So later, kind of halfway through the show, it became more of lawyers who left the practice 
uh, who started businesses. And I was kind of learning more of the business side of things and just marketing and branding and business development. Not so much. Um, tell me about your legal practice. And and now um, I'm taking a little summer break from the podcast. But when I come back, I actually have um, a few guests already lined up that are going to be more about leadership uh, and management. So just more, I guess, business uh, oriented topics. So what have you heard or what has changed in terms of the demographic of your listeners? You know, from what I can tell, they've remained the same. They've remained fairly consistent. Uh, They are, uh, well, I guess they started off young lawyers. So when I was a little bit newer to the profession, they were kind of along the same age um, or same level. Now they're a little bit more, um, maybe like 10 years in, um, five to 10 years in or a little bit older. So they're kind of maturing with me as I go. And a lot of them are kind of, well, from the ones that are reaching out to me, at least a lot of them are, uh, sharing with me that they kind of feel the same way that they've had this itch to start a business, um, maybe even open their own practice, leave the law. And they feel very encouraged to do so because my guests are talking about how they did it. And, and the types of ways that they've done it, does it run the gamut? Um, what, what are some of the more interesting ways or that you've heard them tell you? Yeah. I mean, in terms of how they actually leave the law, it, it's really just either they started doing something on the side while they were practicing or they left altogether cold turkey. <laughs> so I've actually had guests on um, both sides of that. But in terms of what they go into is yeah. what's really interesting. And that's actually what I look for. So the most common is obvi- it's business. So just a business of any type. A lot of my lawyer guests actually start tech companies. Okay. So they have some kind of yeah tech background and they see that the legal profession is actually a space that the, a lot of – it still requires a lot of innovation. There's still a lot of room for, again, one of those words, disruption, yeah. <laughs> right? A lot of innovative businesses and they hop on the tech bandwagon and start those kind of companies. But I've had guests that became yoga instructors. <laughs> okay. So they're lawyers turned yoga instructors, a lot of life coaches, business coaches. Uh, I found that – being a lawyer, kind of, um, you develop a lot of skills that can help you in any area. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of them feel like they can be competent in anything, really. Well, it's funny when you think about it, because sometimes, um, like if for that yoga teacher, for example, like if anyone ever had like try to get over on them with some like sort of paperwork, <laughs> and they'd be like, exactly, you wouldn't know what they were getting into. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I had another um, a guest who is in the wedding. So they're a lawyer, but they wanted to work in the wedding industry, and they told me that they they review all their own contracts. They never have vendors kind of screw them over so they're good yeah. in that regard yeah. yeah that's interesting and then so what's been the um the exposure for you because i know that uh, you, you had on your your blog uh, the fact that you were uh profiled in the daily journal and because i think when people hear about this i you know this idea that you were going to be a lawyer but now you're a podcaster um people not as familiar as as, as we are with all the all the podcasters and that are our friends are were, were mm-hmm. probably surprised or just wanted to hear more about it yeah. <laughs> so actually, the reason I get any kind of exposure is because I practiced and then left or I was doing something a little different. So I think we need to remember this in context. The legal profession and the industry is a little behind on the times. It's very traditional. So anyone who does anything a little bit different, uh, a little bit differently, automatically stands out. So I think the bar is a little bit lower yeah. there. No pun intended. <laughs> um, at least it was two and a half years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. So now it's becoming a little bit more common. So when I launched the podcast, it was um, there were other lawyer podcasters, but not many or if, any actually young lawyers. Yeah. Uh, not many were actually doing uh, who were kind of on my level or my year doing that. So that kind of already gave me some exposure. But I became very involved in uh, lawyer organizations, so bar associations. And when people in the association found out about my podcast, they wanted to um, they wanted to put it on their website. They wanted to maybe, yeah, have me uh, host a panel or something, right? So being involved also helped a lot. But I think it was just um, the fact that not many were doing it and because it was actually good, right? Because yeah. it was valuable and it was helping out a lot of other people. And it was kind of a unique little twist on talking about the law, right? Exposing how lawyers really are instead of uh, and kind of combating this image that people have of lawyers as uptight people yeah, who aren't really stodgy, stodgy white humans. men. <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> so I tried to make sure my guests were diverse and representative of uh, people yeah. at large. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, people were looking for a fresh face on this combination of technology and able to speak 
and talk intelligently ab- ab- about you know what it's like to be a lawyer because you were a practicing lawyer as well. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's what it is. And podcasting, uh, it's obviously gaining a lot of popularity, but for a lot of industry industries, it's still a new thing. Uh, I still have to explain to people what a podcast is and how to even find it on their phone. So yes. And again, a lot of lawyers don't even have blogs, which a lot of people consider to be kind of an easy way to enter into content creation. Yeah. So podcasting seems like this crazy concept. <laughs> did you did you find... Um that working with lawyers or or discussions with people who wanted to have a podcast that represented the firm uh, and maybe as a, as a, now that they're getting they're just now getting social marketing and now along comes podcasting like oh man now we got to learn this this, this right. as well but i imagine like legal firms and when you think of legalese and what you can and can't say and, and i've got a i've got a client that is financial services and the lead time for an episode is so long because we've got mm-hmm. to get compliance approval and he's and it's got to go on social media has got to pre, be pre-approved and it's right. it's crazy yeah. And actually, I don't think I know of too many lawyers at big firms or, well, even medium-sized firms who do have podcasts. Usually they're solo practitioners where they have complete control of their marketing okay. uh, decisions um, or or they have businesses and that's what their podcast is about, uh, even though they practice on the side as well. So yeah. No, but you're right. At big firms, every and I imagine at just big companies, everything is so slow. The chain of command that you have to go through, uh, I think it would hinder anyone's ability to actually have a podcast and make decisions on the fly. Yeah. What what did your parents think when you started podcasting? (laughs) What a good question. No one's ever asked me that, actually. I don't, I mean, I don't think they knew what it was, to be honest. Um, (laughs) So I think I, yeah, I don't think they knew what it was. Uh, And it wasn't until I started getting some recognition. So friends were sharing it. uh, and family members were sharing it on Facebook that my, my, my dad was like, what, what is this? What are you doing? Like, who are you talking to? And I was like, oh, they're just interviews. Don't worry. <laughs> and then I think when I started getting speaking opportunities yeah. from it, that's when they really start. To, I don't think, I, I don't think they actually know what it is still, but they know that it's, it's a good thing in my life. So they're okay with it. <laughs> yeah. What's your heritage? I'm Lebanese. Lebanese. Okay. Are, are yeah. your parents uh, first, second generation or? Um, well, they came here when they were 16 and okay. both of them and I was born here. Okay. Um, so it, it, but they've, I mean, what better way to explain we've become, they've become fairly Americanized. Yeah. Um, even though we still have cultural things that we engage in, uh, I, I speak the language, but yeah, no, they have no idea what a podcast is. <laughs> it's interesting that uh, the guy who wrote my, uh, podcast, Chunky's theme music is Lebanese. Really? Yeah, yeah, his name is okay. George Abiana. Okay. I think he's pretty sure he's Lebanese. If I got that wrong, okay. I'd be in trouble. But That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, and um, yeah, he's a fantastic musician. So on my cred- awesome. yeah, my credits when I say cedar and soil, that's who I'm talking about. Uh, um, that that would make sense because the cedar tree is on our flag. Yeah, okay, so, so there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really, really, really talented guy. Like he's he he's released solo albums and he plays every instrument wow. and he and he sings. And I was like, <laughs> and it, even, yeah, yeah, pretty impressive. Now I was asking because <laughs> of the, you know, the cultural uh, norms. I'm, mm-hmm. I was I was born in El Salvador and I was raised in in New York. My parents are you know they came here in the in the seventies, but this idea that you don't have a traditional job, I think is a bit of a shock. And, mm-hmm. and I still can't explain what I do to my parents. Yeah. <laughs> like that I'm in business for myself and they're like, well, whatever you're doing, I, you know, hope you're doing well with your business. And right. So, Hopefully you're making money, right? Can you support that's, yourself? That's the, that's the question. <laughs> that's right? really what it is. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you, if this is in terms of you and your family, if you have siblings, like mm-hmm. where, where, what, what that, uh, that looks yeah. like. You know, it's funny because my, I think the number one thing that my parent, both my parents want for, and I do have two, two sisters, um, that they want for us is to be happy. Right. Um, I think that's what most parents want. And, and I think they're concerned with me not practicing, which by the way, I did tell them. And again, they're okay with it because they saw how unhappy I was. They were just very concerned about the fact that I have so much student debt. And they're just like, okay, what are you going to be able to do to actually pay off that debt? Because nothing, it's not likely that some some other job is going to make as much money as being a lawyer, um, which is kind of true in the short term. But I'm I'm playing the long term game. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, at first they were just like, I. It took them a while to understand why I wasn't practicing, and um, but when they finally understood, they're like, okay, we support you, and I think they know how I am. Like I, they know I'm going to land on my feet, and it doesn't hurt to have a legal degree as a back. Uh, something to fall back on. <laughs> um, 
So they they were okay with it. But you're right. I think coming from traditional um, ethnic families, there is, I don't want to call it pressure, but it's kind of an expectation to yeah. excel and, and become a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, right? So I became one. <laughs> I, just, I didn't want to actually be one. And then it decided it, you decided it wasn't for you. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, without getting into into too much uh, detail, if you don't want to, but I'm I'm wondering what it was about the profession as you started to get into, get into it that was burning you out. Yeah. So this is a question that I, this is probably the question I get asked the most. Uh, you'd think I'd have a great packaged answer, and I don't just yet. <laughs> Maybe in a few years I'll look back and I'll it'll be it'll make more sense. I think I just always felt a little unnatural practicing. Uh, I've always felt like I had to pretend like I was someone I wasn't when I was talking to a client, when I was going to court, and I just wanted to just be myself, show mm -hmm. my personality, but it didn't feel like it fit into what the legal profession required or demanded. So that was one thing, just unnatural. Um, and deep down, even though I actually was a pretty good attorney, I don't think I ever thought I would be really great at it, like I, like I feel now with my new business, and we can talk about that later. So I just never felt like this is something I can be great at. And it's it's a sucky feeling to feel like, you know what, maybe I'm limited. I can't I can't excel. It's this mm -hmm. job I'm in, this career I'm in is not using my skills to the best of their abilities. So I think it was just a combination of not enjoying it. Yeah. You said um, you didn't think you'd be great. So I, I get the sense that that was a, a drive within you. And if and you and you realize that this wasn't the field where it was going to happen. So you had to have a vehicle for you to express that greatness. Maybe that's what it is. I don't think I've ever really thought about it. And I do. I mean, yeah, I imagine that's something that most people want. You want to be great at something, right? <laughs> um, I wonder if I wonder if that's the case, though, because most a lot of people are happy in a regular nine to five job. And, you know, I, I was having this discussion, with, I think, a friend a couple of weeks ago, this idea that there's jobs, we, there's people that are happy working at Starbucks. And there's people that like working at Walmart and they love the security. They love the, the sense of family that they get there. They love the dependency of having a place to go to. So mm -hmm. I think it's just this we're all wired differently and entrepreneurs are obviously wired completely different. But <laughs> I think we need um, that, you know, uh, I don't mean it in a derogatory fashion, but the worker nope. bee, you know, mindset where like they like the, the regular back and forth of, of the work. And we need that yeah. almost as a society to have the, the, the wild thinkers and then the people who are like color in between the lines. Yeah, no, that's so true. And side note, I would love working at Starbucks. I heard they have great benefits. So I'm not knocking anyone who works there. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. That's what it is. I think and especially now that we live in, in a world where entrepreneurship is glamorized and everyone wants mm. to be an entrepreneur, right? Um, I think they forget that this built this business that they're trying to build who like who's going to work there <laughs> you know what i mean like you need to appreciate those who want the nine to five yeah. and you're right it's a personality trait and i i can't explain it some people have it others don't um and there's nothing wrong with it right but if you are one of those people who cannot uh survive in a nine to five and you want to do more and you want more um than just that then that's that's what you need to acknowledge that and go after it. And I think that's what it was for me. I was a great employee. I wasn't one of those people who just couldn't be an employee. I was mm -hmm. amazing, right? I was yeah. a really good employee, but I always wanted to be in the leader position. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to be the one who made the decisions and then also implemented. Um, so I, I think that was just something I acknowledged within me. Well, I mean, it, it, for for everyone that's paying attention at home, the she mentioned the idea of creating the street carnival. Where yes. <laughs> you're organizing that, and then you're mentioning now that you like to be in a leadership role. So I imagine you had people helping you with the carnival, and you were like directing them, like to do this and go. It ahead was my sister's, and my sister and my cousins. <laughs> so yeah. they, so the tendencies are there early. So yeah, it's, it seems like you have this, you know, this idea that you want to lead, but not in a way where you know there's different kinds of leaders, right? There's people yeah. who are just like bossing people around, but it, I get the sense that you like working with people and guiding them to to the finish. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. And um, it's funny, now I've been really uh, into lately learning about compassionate management, mm. which I guess is a thing or compassionate leadership. And that is um, so right now my business is just me and my videographer. So what we do is create videos. It's a video production agency for law firms. Mm. So law firms, lawyers who want video marketing and branding. That's, that's what great. we do. Great. Yes. Yeah, so it's just me, my videographer and slash editor. Um, but I have this vision of obviously growing the business and I'm really obsessed with learning about compassionate management because I feel like that is what aligns with my personality and my, um, just my values. 
So, so let's talk about that because it, it it's almost the sad state of affairs that we actually have to ha- designate a term compassionate management that by its definition, it's not that's like true. <laughs> we have it should to be implied, right? Yeah, it, it should be, be implied. Why is it? The, why is there like shitty management? And then we have to like have the opposite of that to balance it out. That's true. Um, gosh, well, I feel like this is a history lesson. Uh, it's just, I don't know, decades of corporations um, growing so big that the leaders have gotten detached from the employees, yeah. uh, where obviously the bottom line is all that matters. There are shareholders. A lot is involved, but you're right. It, sh- it shouldn't be something that has, has the word compassion in it. It should just be management. That's how it should be. But I think that that's something that millennials really care about. Mm-hmm. So side note, I am a millennial <laughs> and I, I, I love my generation and I uh, speak highly of us. So I, I do think that this is something that we really do care about. Of course, I'm generalizing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really hoping that we can start shifting um, the, way co- co- the way corporations are, shifting at least that image that people have by building companies that are inherently compassionate. I get the sense that, um, I mean, millennial is such a, broad blanket right to cut you know to to overgeneralize with but i get the sense that um the generation your generation um they almost took it for granted that people in companies you like like companies should treat employees nicely you know Mm. and it's like why Mm. isn't that the default um and obviously there's a the the history in this country is just crazy (laughs) going back to like the the sweatshops right (laughs) like just just turning out the widgets but i think with each new generation there's an awareness of like that's not normal like why are we even like putting up with that or why do why do we have these you know decades old or centuries old practices Mm -hmm. yeah and i and i'm no expert but i imagine just with the increased um connection that we have because of technology and just people talking to each other and talking about what it, it's actually like to work for a corporation that doesn't care about them. Uh, I think just increased knowledge is what's really changing things and conversations and, and conversations that we're having on podcasts, really. <laughs> when was the first time that you were aware um, or that it came to, to your mind that this was a topic that was, you know, that, that it's something you should pay attention to? The compassionate management? Yeah. Uh, when I found out that there was actually a term for it, mm. that it was actually a thing. I think I've always, I mean, that's just my style. Um, and sure, I've never run a company before, aside from the one that I have now and the practice that I had, but I've been in leadership positions in uh, high school and college. And that's just always been my way of approaching things. I've always been a little bit more diplomatic, um, more democratic about things. And I, Right. So that's just my trait, my leadership style. So when I actually found out that this is uh, an actual thing that's um, gaining some attention and the first time I uh, heard about it was actually when the LinkedIn CEO, Jeff, is it Weiner, I believe? Uh, Reed Hoffman? I, or no, no the, uh, oh, the, um, the current CEO. Was the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so okay. it's Jeff and I, either yeah. Weiner or Weiner. Yeah. Sorry, I'm messing it up. But either way, so he's actually the one who is the first time I heard anyone, any leader, anyone in a high position talking about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is what I do. I didn't realize that mm. was something that others don't. <laughs> um, but that's just, I mean, it's just caring about people and, re- yeah. and recognizing that when you care about your employees, um, they're going to produce better work or provide a better service. Ultimately, you will make more money because of that. So it's just a natural evolution. <laughs> Do you, is there a, a definition for people who aren't familiar with the term? Uh, I don't. What do you mean? No, com, no compassionate management. Like, is is there a set of guiding principles, or is there is are there places like websites people go to if they want to see if their you know, their company would 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 fit the definition, or is, um, it just, is, or is it still like loose and just informal, and it's just a term for now? I think as far as I know, it's 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 the latter. So it's okay. a little bit loose. I'm I hope I could be wrong. Okay. I don't know. There, I'm sure there are a lot of resources online, but when you Google it, um, for the most part, a few names show up pretty often. A few companies. So I imagine it's not uh, something that a lot of companies okay. engage in. But in terms of principles, I honestly, it's just caring about yeah. your employees, um, uh, not automatically going for 
the the fire <laughs> firing mm. someone for something that uh, for something that goes wrong. Yeah. You know, Simon Sinek is another um, thought leader who actually talks about this. Okay. The Le- leaders eat last. That's yeah. probably a great resource, a okay. great book to read. It's also a video that people can check out on YouTube. But that's that's another um, person that kind of turned me on to this. The fact that if you protect your employees and make them feel safe at work, then they are they are going to protect you in return. Yeah, um, totally. So. Those are probably great resources to start for anyone who's interested in learning more. Have you read any anything about a holacracy? No, I've actually never heard of that. Holacracy is suppose uh, I've heard um, Tony Shea from Zappos. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. So he's like a, he was a pioneer in this, and it's this interesting like um, flat management structure, and mm. a lot of people left when they implemented it. It's really like cutting edge, like forward thinking. Um, probably ahead of its time, but mm-hmm. it's interesting because he's some sort of like, it, there's no like levels of hierarchy. It's supposed to be like a flat, maybe one or two layers. I think that's, that's it. Yeah. Um, it, and it's really like a really interesting uh, experiment. I, I, as far as I know, there's still, he's still trying it out because when it comes from the top down, it's either we're going to do this and you're either on board or you're not. I think a lot mm-hmm. of people left, but uh, not a lot, but a, a significant percentage. But the ones that stayed apparently were, were bought into it. So it, it, I think it's going to be an interesting experiment to watch. I'm not sure if what other companies, what top companies have actually tried it as well. Yeah. And can you imagine how much that leader, whoever's at the top, how much, like how strong, um, how strong they must be to set aside their ego to actually have and, and pride to be able to implement that kind of thing in their business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm all about it. Um, I'm wondering, I'm wondering what organizations you joined in high school. Ooh. So I was involved in, I was more involved in college. That's for sure. But in okay. high school I was involved with the, the student body. So what I think it was called ASB okay. in high school, I believe it's called. I don't even know, but whatever the student government is, yeah. <laughs> uh, I so I actually went to two different high schools, okay. and the so for the last two years, that's when I really got involved, and I was one of the new students, so I actually ran for one of the positions on the student government, student body government. I didn't get it; it crushed me, even though I had a great slogan. What was the slogan? <laughs> it was "Dude, vote for Abood." <laughs> <laughs> like you can't beat that. <laughs> they did not vote for me. That's um, awesome. I yeah, I didn't get it, uh, but I, I stayed involved. Uh, but in high school, I was mostly in sports. So okay. I spent most of my time just in cross-country running. Yeah, <laughs> I did running in high school as well. Yeah, it was running's great. <laughs> it's a great sport, actually. So are you a political science junkie? Oh, junkie, not so okay. much. It was my major. I imagine okay. <laughs> you probably found that online somewhere. Um, I mean, it's hard not, so I wouldn't say I'm a junkie, yeah. but I do keep up with what's happening because okay. I want to be aware, <laughs> but admittedly I've been, um, purposely tuning out lately. Okay. That's, so I'm not, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> so I'm not too affected an, by what's happening. Have you heard about the new podcast? Uh, no. So this is talk about an intersection. It's, uh, what Trump can teach us about constitutional oh, yeah. law. That one. Mm-hmm. I just uh, came across it because of 99% invisible, um, and Roman Mars is like helping produce it i think it went to the top of itunes but talk about like a a right podcast for the right moment in time and using like the subject matter that's like literally right in front of our faces to create (laughs) such a compelling show right and making it interesting to people who would normally not care about constitutional law yeah yeah. so constitutional law is it's interesting it's it's obviously very it affects our lives every day but no one really knows much about it um and it it can be dry at times so the fact that uh, i believe it's professor joe it's it's pronounced i'm not sure but the professor who's actually explaining the constitutional concepts um she's doing a great job well what's fascinating is she said all she does every morning is open up her twitter account (laughs) and see (laughs) plenty of uh... (laughs) well she sees what the president of the united states tweeted and then she's like okay that's the subject matter and she never She's going to run out of, I was going to say, uh, you know, hopefully soon she will, but as of right now, she's not going to run out of, of things to, to talk about. Yeah, no, that's true. Hopefully we're not turning off a lot of your listeners with this political no, talk. No, 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 no. Everyone knows by now. We just sort of go, okay. we just follow the path and we, and we tease yeah. apart uh, what we find. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if there's a lesson to be learned here, it's that you can take um, things that are happening in, in the world, in pop culture and politics. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have some kind of special knowledge, even if you're a lawyer, <laughs> you can start a podcast about it. Yeah. How have so. uh, you grown as a as a podcast host? 
Oh, I would like to think that I've become a better listener. Um, in the beginning I had, I was one of those who followed a list of questions because of course that's what I saw a lot of popular podcasters doing. So I was like, okay, let me do this. But as a new podcaster, it's kind of a good way to start because at least you have some questions to go off of. So I followed a format, uh, and over time it just evolved into a more conversational, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of interview. But I think I've become a better listener. Uh, I like to, I mean, I like to think that I just, I'm a better, I'm better able to connect with people. Mm-hmm. I think the one downside, if there is going to be any, uh, if there are any, is that sometimes I find myself so, um, so I'm so good at connecting with people through my podcast or through video that when I talk to people in person, I think I've become a little socially awkward because we're, I'm just staring at people through a screen all day yeah, or just yeah. it's just me and my microphone. So when I'm actually at a networking event, a little part of me is like, oh, I wish I had a microphone here. <laughs> um, but other than that, it's only upside, really. It's just yeah. made me braver. I ask better questions. I listen. I'm actually interested in people's stories. Yeah. And it's given me a brand a platform to stand on to build my brand on i guess sometimes you can tell by the nature of the conversation so i'm wondering if there's one of your more recent ones where you really felt like um you know you you were asking the right questions and you were getting maybe even something that surprised you out of one of your guests You know, I, there is one that stands out. It's pretty recent and it was, uh, with a lawyer who decided to take a trip, just like a little vacation and never returned to the law. She didn't disappear. (laughs) She just never returned to, she's from New York. She went to Siberia, I believe, and she was just going to go on vacation, decided to stay there. And now eight years later, she's still traveling all over the world, uh, eating. She has a food blog now instead of practicing law. So I think the reason why that interview stands out is not only because she, obviously she has a really cool life that she's leading, but what she does for a living is uh, eat. She blogs about it and she talks to people in different countries and from different cultures. And mm. she was just telling me how just being able to share stories and listen and uh, sit and listen to other people's stories is um, has, has allowed her to build a business, but has just made her a more just a richer human being. And I feel the same about my podcast, but um I think, yeah, I think a lot of what makes a great podcast episode has to do with the guest. And I'm one of those uh, hosts that really lets the guests not take control, but let them talk, right? Um, Obviously, if they're talking too long, I jump in. But I think the guest really does set the tone. I've had guests where I had to pull, it was like pulling teeth just to get them to answer more than yes or no, which maybe I should have done my homework and not had them on. But (laughs) so the guest really makes the episode, in my opinion. Um, So I I don't know if my listeners tune in for me or tune in for the guest. (laughs) Hopefully a little bit of both. I would think because it's that special combination of whatever magic you you two create together because you could see you could have the same person on different episodes and i think it's the skill of the the host to figure out um you know are they just going to ask them the stock questions or are they going to let them get away with the with the same answers that they keep giving on the other podcasts and so you know you have to find out um what you can talk about that they haven't talked about which is you know Mm -hmm. not always easy or you know see if they mention something just in passing and you can be like coming back to that point because the listener is always there like listening along with you and and if you mentioned something about you know a street carnival and i didn't ask you anything about it they would have been like why didn't you ask her (laughs) that's true but i mean i and i'm guilty of doing this but sometimes i do let those little gems slip by because maybe i'm just too too much in my head and i'm thinking about the next question so i'm i'm guilty of that and i'm it upsets me when i listen back to my episode like didn't you did yeah. you catch that? Why didn't you ask about it? Do you, do you, <laughs> so it still happens. Have you found that it uh, has changed the way you interact with people in real life? Uh, so, yeah, in a few different ways. So those who know that I have a podcast, I think, well, they become more interested in me. So then it's a natural conversation. I can easily talk about my podcast. So I think it opens up the conversation um, or it takes it to a place where I didn't think it would. Uh, to other people kind of what I said earlier, it's made it a little bit more awkward. I feel like I need mm. to kind of uh, start going to more in-person events. So it's not, um, so it's not just me and the mic all the time. Um, do, are you, can you consider yourself an introvert? 
No, not at all. <laughs> I so I've always been an extrovert. I for a while I thought maybe I'm one of those who who's a combination of both. Um, I think I've heard those exist. I yeah. don't know if it's accurate, uh, but no, I am a straight up extrovert. <laughs> the, yeah, there's no doubt about it. What what is it about the conversations in real life, IRL, uh, mm. <laughs> without the microphone that make you a bit nervous? Ah. Uh, you know, it's it's maybe I don't even know what it is. It maybe it's not anything. Maybe it has nothing to do with the mic. Maybe I am just blaming it on the microphone and the mm. podcast. But I think for a while I stopped. I felt like I stopped having uh, anything in common with a lot of lawyers. So I go mm. to a lot of lawyer events, and okay. during that time when I was trying to figure out who I was and what I wanted to do, I think I felt like I had nothing in common with them anymore because I wasn't practicing or I was going to leave. Um, so I didn't have much to talk about there. And when I mentioned that I was going to start a business, but I hadn't really started one yet. Uh, I felt like I couldn't really talk about that either because they would just look at me like I was crazy or wasn't doing anything with my life. So I think for a while it was just my, what was going on in, going on in my life. Um, it was reflected in my inability to connect with other people. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like I didn't know how to represent myself. I was kind of going through a little bit of an identity yeah. crisis. So I didn't know what to say to people. <laughs> yeah. You were in that transitionary period, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm, but, I'm wondering if that's a function of then realizing you need to find like different circles to hang out in. Yeah. Yeah. That, so that was one result. And I did kind of broaden my circle. I go to a lot of business events now, business networking uh, organizations, those kind of things. And I'll, I go to a lot of podcasting events where I feel at home. Yeah, <laughs> I feel those at are ease. our peeps. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> um, but now that I have kind of rediscovered what I'm, what I want to do and who, who I want to be, it's become a little bit easier to connect with others again, because now I've, I've found who I am again. Yeah. Well, it's so. interesting to, that you can make it through that transitionary period because there's you probably know people that are still lawyers and they're just probably not that happy about it. And oh yeah, yeah, a lot. So I actually that's I got so many emails and calls and messages on social media about from lawyers who are like, we just discovered you, we just saw your videos or listened to your podcast, and we feel the same. And they share their story with me. Um, and at the end, it's always the same question, like, what do I do? And that is such a heavy question that I don't feel comfortable answering because I, I, I don't want to be responsible for someone's career demise, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I tell them what I can. I give them some advice that's general enough where they can just go and think about it. But yeah, the fact that I'm talking about this uh, it helps me connect with other people. And not, you're, you're right. A lot of people are in the same situation. They just feel like they can't speak up or don't know what else to do. Yeah. So I try to help as much as I can. I just, I, it's such a heavy responsibility. <laughs> yeah. I think at the end of the day, if you can just tell them what you went through and the, and then, you know, the, the ups and downs of that, uh, because I think the more you say about how tough it is, you know, that, that you're not painting a pretty picture and it's not mm -hmm. like a, a black and white thing or it's not a button they can push or it's not, you know, a class they can take because it's like we got to we got to try a lot of stuff, you know, yeah, and, and to that's figure out true. what works. And I'm wondering if, if you could uh, use that as, as a segue to the business that you have and, and what you went through and what were some of the ideas that you did try that didn't work out and what led to this? <laughs> Uh, how do you know that there are ideas I tried that didn't work? Oh, you know, <laughs> entrepreneurs. <laughs> That's true. That's funny. You know us too well. Um, so I, um, when I thought about what I could, what I could do, like what skills do I have? What would be something that people actually want to pay for? And who do I actually want to serve? It really came down to lawyers. So I want to continue working with lawyers. I really do love this profession and I actually really do love lawyers. I just didn't want to practice. Uh, so lawyers were who I wanted to work with. And then I thought about what was something that I'm actually good at. What do people usually reach out to me for help for? And it, it came down to a lot of content marketing, mm -hmm. help, branding, and social media marketing and just social media, I guess, branding and yeah. presence. That's what lawyers mostly ask me for help for uh, or with. So uh, I thought I, I thought about the first iteration of my business. <laughs> the thing that I tried that I quickly changed my mind about was um, digital marketing in general for lawyers. But then I quickly realized that lawyers have been fed this idea that SEO is all that matters. Mm. Um, they've been fed this by marketing companies. SEO marketing right? companies. Yes, exactly. So anytime I sat down to talk to a lawyer, a potential client, uh, all they wanted to know was how can I get them on the first page of Google? And they weren't understanding that 
that's not exactly what I do. And also you will get there. You just need, you need consistency. You need time. You need to put in the effort and that's not something they want to do because they're busy. I get it. So I quickly moved away from the social media and online marketing and decided to focus just on video and to a lesser extent, uh, podcasting. Mm -hmm. So using those two platforms to help lawyers build their brands, um, showcase their expertise, hopefully connect with the right client, all that good stuff. So that, I, so I decided to do that. Um, I gave it again, I gave it a few months worth of thought, um, how it's going to look, what I'm going to do to market. How is this really going to, how am I going to get this off the ground? Uh, and I finally committed in January. I took my last case. I finished up my last case mm-hmm. and that was the last of me being a lawyer. Okay. <laughs> and I, I made the announcement that this is the new business. Um, and I'm open for business. And what's the response been? It's been, <laughs> it's been overwhelming. No, it's uh, honestly, if we're going to be uh, real, yeah. it's been slow. Yeah. It hasn't been as great as I want it to be. Uh, I imagine that's how it is. <laughs> I think that's how it is for a lot of new businesses. At least I hope I'm not the only one. It's been slower than what I uh, want, but I think it's been steady. It's been uh, steady enough where I'm content for now, mm-hmm. um, where I can handle the work and then still work on growing. But it's only six months in. Yeah. Uh, actually, I guess it's eight months in at this point. Okay. So. But I think it's, I like the idea that it's really niche because it's lawyers and it's video. Because um, a lot of times, you know, people might just try to want to be be everything for what lawyers need, or, or they do video and they do video to everyone who needs it. And the fact that you can keep laser focused in, and and maybe even eventually, um, specific types of practices, you know, that are doing a certain, you know, maybe there's a certain kind of practice that makes use of video more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yes. So that might be something to think about. Yeah, no, that's a, that's definitely a good idea. And there are a few practice areas that I found um, I've narrowed in on because those are the ones that have reached out to me the most. Uh, so family law is a big one. Okay. Uh, people usually Google a divorce or something like that. So family law, employment issues, business issues. So those areas are the ones who utilize my services and videos the most, in my opinion. Well, so that's good. That's good to know. And then that'll tailor your message because when you're speaking to people and you do, and, you, and if you are going to like run Facebook ads or you do any promotional material, like if you're speaking specifically to that niche, like mm-hmm. they're, they're going to resonate with it, with that message. Cause you know, if, if you drop in a couple of phrases relative to family law, you know, mm-hmm. the, or challenges they have or why they would need it, they'll be like, Oh wow, Nicole's speaking uh, directly to me. Right. Exactly. Like, dude, yeah, think- like, dude, you got to go with a boot. <laughs> I should bring that slogan back because it worked so well for me the first time. Right. <laughs> totally bring but, it back. Yeah, you're right. But I think having, uh, well, having been a lawyer, a practicing lawyer, I can, I can connect with, uh, the lawyers on a different level and bring that knowledge to the videos. So it's not just the technical aspect or the creative aspect, but it's also the, the legal knowledge. So are there, do you have a, a dream guest list or, or are there people that you're still looking to get on the show? For the podcast? Yeah. Uh, there are a few, there are a few lawyers that are well known in the profession who have amazing lives and have led great, uh, built great careers that yeah. I would love to have on. The one that comes to mind is one that I actually just saw speak in person a few days, a few days ago. His name is Brian Stevenson. He was okay. a TED speaker. Okay. I don't know if he rings a bell, but he is doing such great work for um, children who get the death penalty <laughs> and just wow. children. Who, yeah, exactly. Um, or, or just children um, in jail, really. So that is, uh, he's probably the number one on that list. That's good. It's always that's good to have someone aspirational. It's always good to put the intention out because you never know. That's true. You might be listening or just, I believe in intention. So once you put that vibration out, like the universe is like, okay, got the message. We'll, we'll start putting the pieces in place and like. <laughs> and I feel like being on the show is going to help with those vibrations. Yeah. I feel like you have a closer connection to like God or something. You're going to make this happen. <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah. I have a yeah. H- at Lane. <laughs> go. You're going to see Brian on my show in a few months. Yeah, sure. And you'll be like, I knew it. Yeah, um, to ask for more. <laughs> yeah, well, it starts there. And then uh, what's well, funny, because there's probably some like super upper echelon that you're not even thinking about, but because you're thinking of like someone that's like attainable, but mm-hmm. still a l- little outside your reach. But you'll find that once you get that one, then that they'll like, oh, d- that he might say a good word. And then that's how you sort of stair step it. And I think that's what podcasters have been doing it for long enough time realize that you know just the word gets out and people like what you're doing they start recommending people to your show and you know they start suggesting guests yeah that's true you build up yeah. <laughs> exactly so um changing gears now uh sure. 
Thanks again for being generous with your time. (laughs) What's uh, the one most misunderstood thing about you? Oh my God, you're like (laughs) stumping me with these. I don't know. I I don't know if I can answer that because I wouldn't know if someone has a misunderstanding or some kind of misconception about me. (laughs) Or, you know, because sometimes it's this perceived persona or someone, and it it happens with podcasters now too, right? So people hear you and then they they think you're a certain way and then when they need you or people that have just misunderstood something about you. Yeah. Um, I don't, honestly, I don't think that anything comes to mind. Uh, I think the beauty of being a podcaster is that it's very hard to hide who you really are. So maybe it's difficult to be misunderstood since you're putting it all out there. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think anything comes to mind. I'm for the most part, what you see is what you get. Um, I'm not one of those people who speaks my mind all the time. Um, so I'm not, I'm not going to be in your face telling you exactly how it is. I think I'm very, like I said, I'm, I think I'm a little diplomatic about how I uh, give people feedback or criticize someone. Is that the lawyer <laughs> in you? Maybe. Yeah, maybe it is. Or maybe it's just a personality trait, but yeah, I'm not in people's faces. I really like to understand people first and then pass judgment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then make a, a judgment call. Um, but for the most part, I don't think I've ever had anyone describe me in a, describe me in a way that wasn't accurate. Do you sense it's a generational thing where it's just more natural to be yourself and that's why there's, you know, people that are so comfortable jumping on YouTube and 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 shouting like literally what's on their mind on Twitter and mm. <laughs> posting every single personal picture they can on Instagram? And... Right. Well, so yes and no, because you're right. Now it's easy to kind of go live or post a bunch of uh, intimate pictures or anything like that on social media. But at the same time, I think we all know how curated those things can be as well. Right. So I don't know. I don't know if it's a generational thing. Um, I would like to think that, yes, we are a little bit more open about who we are and we're okay with who we are um, in the workplace, uh, in, in public settings. But at the same time, I don't know. I think it's still, I think, there's a lot of um, controlling our our like, PRing ourselves, so controlling yeah. what people see and think about us. That's true because it's all a curated feed at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, no one ever, no one ever posts like, "Oh, I'm having such a shitty day," and like, <laughs> "Here's the, my flat tire, everyone." <laughs> like, <laughs> that's true. That's true. This is me <laughs> with no. One, this is me forgetting the umbrella, leaving the house. Like, no one's gonna post that. That's true. That's I mean, I'm sure there are some though, but yeah, you're right. That's not. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's not what people want to see. Yeah, maybe we say true. we want authenticity, but then yeah, yeah, yeah. we actually saw it. We're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no one cares. Someone should do that, like the the anti Facebook post, and just you're just having like the worst day, and you're like, seriously, like <laughs> the, the heel broke in your shoe, or like you missed the bus, and you're like, oh, man, just like, love, and just that's <laughs> awesome. But if that's, that's all happening to one person, that that would Because <laughs> that's real life, right? And you're like, I'm. I definitely don't feel like going on Facebook about anything about my day today. You know, yeah. you, you just have those days, and you're like, uh. Um, what's something yeah, you, it, go ahead. You know, I was going to say, it's, it's all just, I guess, strategic yeah. authenticity. That's strategic what authenticity. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like humble brag. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> what's something you've changed your mind about recently? What I was going to wear today. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mean something major? I don't well, know. give me, well, now you got to give me both. So, oh, right. So, I mean, I was going to start off wearing a long sleeve, but then it was really hot in Los Angeles today. Yeah, so, I wore a short sleeve. Um, I, you know, I am a okay with changing my mind often. Like, I, it's crazy because I'm Middle Eastern. I'm a little bit stubborn, but mm-hmm. I'm not that stubborn when it comes to big decisions. So, if someone is able to persuade me that I need to change my mind because it's going to be better for me, it's just a better decision, I will gladly do that. Now, let me see if I can remember an actual example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like my my boyfriend persuades me to change my mind all the time. Um, he is a, he is a realist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm somewhat of an idealist. Okay. So <laughs> Good balance. Yeah. So anytime I have some kind of Okay, so for example, I had um, this great idea for a marketing, uh, I guess a marketing um, attempt to yeah. get the word out about my business. And I thought instead of spending money on Facebook ads, uh, instead of just do, spending money online, why not have an in-person event where I bring mm-hmm. all these lawyers to my house, I wine and dine them, and then I have them record some videos as a promo for my video company, right? Which okay. I thought was a brilliant idea. It still is, by the way. <laughs> so I shared this with my boyfriend, and the, his first thought, his first um the first thing that came out of his mouth was, but how are you going to make money from that? <laughs> Which I guess is the ultimate goal. Yeah. But in my mind, I'm thinking it's about 
me connecting with them, them yeah. seeing that I can make these videos and using them to promote myself. It's a very indirect way to market yourself. But in my mind, it's it's smart. <laughs> well, I mean, in the, in the beginning, we got to try everything. I mean, yeah. and, and people who are not entrepreneurs, like, I think they don't understand it completely. But like, you just got to have this mentality, like, I'm just going to keep trying stuff. And they say, if you're an entrepreneur, you have to be comfortable with failing fast. I mean, with mm -hmm. failing often. Um, and what they say is you just fail fast, fail often. Right. Or fail off and exactly. fail fast and just kind of work through ideas. Like, cause you got to get these ideas out. Cause one of them is going to be the good one. One of them is mm -hmm. going to be, you know, the, 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 the idea that helps you start your business. But like all the other supplemental stuff, you know, we're always thinking of like different ideas and different marketing stuff because we do have to think outside the box. Cause if we're doing what everyone else is doing, then it's like, you know, where, how are we differentiating ourselves? Yeah, exactly. Which can be a problem for, entrepreneur well it can be a problem for entrepreneurs who want to follow every idea not yeah. just ha like not just talk out loud or talk it out but actually do it yeah. that could be a problem but yeah so him meant saying that i was just like yeah i guess you're right maybe it's not the best thing to do right now so i changed my mind okay. even though i'm i still want to do it in the future <laughs> well what i would say is run it by some entrepreneurial friends that's true uh, yeah because you're going to need the balance because they're going to be like that's a great idea <laughs> yeah I mean, I mean he has he has he actually is an entrepreneur but yeah. he's a little bit okay. more of like let's make the money yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good yeah it's, it's, <laughs> More of like, let's make an experience and the money will come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as long as it's controlled, then you're not like breaking the bank to try to do that first one. That's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> so what what has got you excited now that you're about to pick up um, the, the next season of the show? Oh, yeah. So I uh, renovated my podcast website. Thanks okay. to you, by the way, for um, all the referrals to the great plugins, themes, all yeah, that kind of stuff. So I do want to give you a shout out. <laughs> it's still I'm still working on updating it completely. But the fact that it's actually so my old website was the one I made two and a half years ago. So mm -hmm. I had some broken links and it was just not good. So that's exciting. Uh, and that's Gen, got, and that's dot com. Yeah, perfect. And that's uh, why spelled either way, yeah. either the letter or W. -H -Y. That was good. Smart. You got to capture both. Yeah, I got them both. <laughs> <laughs> so that's honestly, I'm just excited to see. So this is the first time I've been behind the mic in a few months. So yeah. I think I'm excited to just get back to it. I'm always on. I'm always I always get such a rush and such a high after I'm done interviewing someone. So I'm, I miss that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just excited to get back to it. Like I miss it. I hear cool. I see other I wake up every day. Uh, or on Mondays, that's when I usually publish. I see, I look at the podcast app, I don't see mine, and I see all the <laughs> others, and I'm just like, I miss mine being there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure your listeners miss it too. I think so. I've gotten yeah. some some messages about them wanting it to come back. Very cool. Well, uh, I'm wishing you the best of luck. I'm glad we Thank got the you. chance to reconnect. And what's the best place for folks to track you down online? Um, I'm going to give you two places. The website, well, okay. which you already mentioned, Gen yep. Y Lawyer. Check out the podcast. And honestly, Instagram is my favorite right now. Okay. So I'd love for your listeners to connect with me there. The handle is at Nick underscore Abood. So it's N-I-C underscore A-B-B-O-U-D. Okay. And we'll have links to all that in the show notes. Because Thank you. <laughs> I, I can't get the tagline out of my head. Dude, vote for Abood. <laughs> Should I use it? Like it's, so it. it's so great. It's so great. It's catchy. Yeah. That's going to be one of the tweetables from this episode. <laughs> I like it. I'll tweet it out. All right. All right, Nicole. Thanks so much for coming on. Aw, thank you so much for having me. And thank you to your listeners for listening. So thanks again to Nicole for showing us how you can take a skill set, like having been a practicing lawyer, and turn that into a lucrative business. And it's not something that happens overnight, but it does come from following your passion and understanding what you're good at. And I think she does a good job of that, and she's really found her niche, and I'm happy to see that she's having some success. Don't forget to support our episode sponsor, Podbean, at podbean.com slash podcastjunkies. Tune in next week and hear my conversation with Rob Greenlee. It's been a while since Rob and I chatted, and I looked at the calendar, and it was actually close to two years. He's the head of content at Spreaker, and I thought it was a good time to get caught up on what's happening in the podcast landscape, what with podcast movement coming up as well. So that's a great conversation. Make sure you tune into that. We are a proud member of Podcastica.com. Check out the website for all the other shows that are part of our network. Music provided by Cedar and Soil. Check out his fantastic music at cedarsoil.com. If you haven't already, please download our free PDF, podcastjunkies.com slash eight tools, and that's the number eight, T-O-O-L-S, and it's a PDF of the tools I'm currently using to help launch the podcast and tools that you can use as well. Don't forget that 
the best price you can get on a ticket to Podcast Movement is through podcastjunkies.com slash podcastmovement, one word, and you'll be redirected to the event page and have the coupon of 15% automatically applied. This week's retention hashtag is Gen Y Nicole. That's G-E-N, the letter Y, N-I-C-O-L-E. You can tag Nicole at Nicole Aboud, N-I-C-O-L-E-A-B-B-O-U-D. And of course, us at podcast underscore junkies. Thanks for all you do to support the show. Have a fantastic day and week. And make sure you tell a friend every now and then about this fantastic podcast that you're listening to.